Oh my God, I'm chilling. What happened? Oh my God. Oh, I just can't. What? Hey everyone, everyone. Hey, I almost said that at the same time. So close. I did not realize that Zoom had a pretty filter. <laughs> it's been my little secret for 87 episodes or whatever number. 86 She's been holding out on me. We had a um, Zoom meeting with someone and I was like, your skin looks so, why does your skin look so much better than mine? I was all red and splotchy. And she's like, I'm on like that pretty filter, adjust my look or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Touch up my look. It popped up and I was like, okay. Rach has always tried to sabotage me. That's true. I thought you were on it too. Cause you look so pretty. Oh, <laughs> thank you. It just popped up one day and I was like, obviously touch up my look. So thanks. It's probably some, everyone's probably like, duh, but even, you know. 2020, I didn't even know this. I could have been pretty for all my meetings, whatever. Oh, no. A couple of things before I get started on my story today. I wanted to shout again from the top of the episode, bethematch.org. We mentioned this in the last episode at the very, very end, but I wanted to say it at the beginning, just in case some of y'all just turn it off when, when we're done with the story. Our good friend Kylie's sweet angel baby, two-year-old Sterling, her son was diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia and he needs a perfect match bone marrow. So we're just, you know, spreading the word. It's really easy. It's be the match.org. You request a kit. They send it, send it to you free. You send it back free. It's, it's already pre stamped, stamped and everything. You swab the inside of your cheek and send it off. It's really easy. And then they, you're putting the registry and, and it's just, it's easy and it could save a life. Um, and this sweet little boy needs it. Oh, Sterling. Yeah, please go check that out. Yeah, go check that out. Just wanted to shout that out because I just can't imagine. No. And we love you, Kylie. And she found out 10 hours before giving birth to her second kid that he oh, had God. this leukemia. I can't. Ugh. It gives me anxiety so hard. I know. Poor boy. We love you, Pace family. Also, patrons, your gifts are coming if you ordered in January. I'm still catching up. They're coming at you. No one's forgotten about you. So, of course, not. Um, obviously, those are coming. And speaking of sort of Patreon, we did join Apple Subscribe, like the premium Apple channel. So now you can get our bonus episodes through Apple Podcasts. It's essentially the same as our $5 tier in Patreon. So if you're a patron, don't sign up for Apple Subscribe yeah. in addition to Patreon no. um, because it's the same bonus episodes. So, but it's just an easier way for some people who just really don't want to deal with Patreon to get bonus episodes. It's just the $5 tier bonus episode. So once a month, we did start uploading our backlog to it though. So, and if you do subscribe, you'll hear in some of those episodes like, hey, patrons, we know it's confusing. We'll, we'll tighten it up now that we're on both. Yeah. And one more exciting thing is that we have joined a network. Ooh. <laughs> oh my God, are we both? <laughs> yeah. Ooh. It's our excited hell, noise. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, we joined Believe. Uh, if you know them, they're, they're very sports focused, but they're expanding their horizons with mm -hmm. true crime, obviously. So Sorry. very excited. I don't know what else to say. I, know, I don't know what else to say either, but um, yeah, we are amped. Uh, yeah. And we've been wanting this. That's the dream. 
That's right. Hopefully it'll just keep going and keep going. So you might hear ads in our episodes now. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know as a listener, it's annoying, but as a creator, it's crucial. Badass. Yeah, it's crucial. And badass. And badass. Speaking of badass, so I started, Rebecca and I were together this weekend and I started telling her this story from one of my coworkers and I was like, wait, I can't remember one of the details. So I talked to my coworker yesterday and she's just such a badass too. And so is her dog. Oh, I'm going to tell you yeah. real quick, creepy story pretty much. It's a pretty much a listener creepy encounter with a good message. But I think everyone knows the message to like trust the shit out of your dog. Okay. Oh, sure. She has a husky named Bobo. He's like 10 years old or was at this point. She came home from work during her lunch break and her husband was at work. It was just her and Bobo. And she noted that Huskies are notoriously like not affectionate. They're not, she had a lab before this and she was like, he would bark if there was a squirrel outside. You know, if anyone was at the door, he'd bark, stay by my side, blah, blah, blah. Huskies are not like that. They're protective AF, but he's, you know, he just chills. So someone knocked on her door. It was weird that she was like, I can't remember if they jiggled the handle first and then not. It was something that she was like, ooh, this is weird. Um, Bobo stayed in the other room and she opened the door and there was like this big man, I think she said around 40s-ish. He seemed fucked up on something. He immediately said, is your husband home? And she was like, yeah, he is. And he was like, okay, well, tell him. But I that's a lie, right? Yeah, that was a lie. She was, uh, he was like, tell, her, tell him I ran out of diesel on the interstate and I need I need some diesel or something. And she was like, first of all, we're not near the interstate. And who the hell has that? Who has diesel on hand? Yeah. And so she was like, no, no. And she had like her foot. It was like barely open. Uh huh. And she was like, no, we don't have that. And he was like, okay, well then do you have money? He was, she was like, no, sorry, we can't help you. And um, by this point, Bobo had come next to her and she said, was making a sound, not barking, making a sound like a wolf, like a guttural, she said, sound just She's never heard it before in all of her 10 years. And he looks like a wolf. I've met Bobo. He's an angel. All huskies he looks, do. Yeah. Looks like a wolf. Uh-huh. Uh, but all white. Uh, just intimidating. Mm-hmm. And he kind of lunged forward and she slammed the door shut, locked it. And she has a way where lunged she Lunged to the door to open it? Yes. Ooh. Slammed the door. She lo- locked it. And she has a way to get out of the back, but she didn't know where he could be. He could be going around the house. So she went in this middle point of her house, which is like, I think, a closet and a pantry. You can go out either way. If you're in there, you can close both sides and lock them. Mm-hmm. But so depending on where this guy went, she could go out the opposite way. And Bobo would not come in there with her. So she was like, I, oh. I can't, I don't have time to argue with you right now. So she goes in there and she can hear Bobo walking around the house. And as the guy tries to open the back door, which he did, Bobo's, oh, over, Bobo's over there doing that same sound. And then he paced all around the house to like track where this guy was. He could hear him. So based on Bobo, she could, she, she knew did, where she that She knew got. where to go. Yes. And then, so it happened. So she was on the phone with 911, obviously. It happened for long enough to where she finally got her address out. She could tell where Bobo was, therefore where the gal was. She heard him walk around the house. He, again, was trying to get in the back. He tried to get in the front, started knocking again. Just the scariest thing ever. And then mm-hmm. finally, Bobo stopped the sound and he went straight to the door and just like chilled. And she like to the door where she was, where she was uh-huh. and just chilled like as a, he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. yeah. So she comes out, the cops get there. They look around, they couldn't find him. Oh. And another thing to note, when she did open the door, his hands were in his pockets <gasps> and she couldn't tell if he was holding something or his, his um, hands were in fists. Like he was Ooh. really nervous. 
she immediately, she was like, this guy's not right. Um, and so the cops looked for him. They could not find him. But for the next like week or so after that, Bobo like stayed by her side the entire oh, time. Bobo. And she was like trying to get him to come in there and he wouldn't. And she was like, I don't know what to do with you. So just, all right, you're staying out. And she, so she was like, this is so cheesy, but like I trusted my instinct in that moment, especially like when he was there, she knew something was wrong, but to get Bobo in to hide and he wouldn't do it. She was like, you trust your dog's instinct more than that because that's how she knew like yeah. where he was yeah, and which way not to go. Right. So and Bobo would so... go one way, she would go the opposite direction. Yeah. Type. yeah. Oh. If he were to be able to get in, but she yeah. was like, she said she, no matter what is conditioned to lock all the doors when she gets inside, no matter what. Oh my God. See everyone get a dog. Oh, I loved it. That is badass. Good for Bobo. And it's so smart. Mm -hmm. Like he was just like, okay, I'm going to walk around making this noise. So you know where this fucker is. Right. Bobo. I would have loved to see what a Husky would have done had that piece of shit gotten in. But clearly he wasn't scared. Enough. He had a weapon. And during Ooh. a lunch break. That, that's what's scary. During For middle sure, of the day. By herself. He wasn't scared of a dog or a husband. Is your husband home? What a dick. Right. We think she, he was obviously just trying to be like, uh, yeah, hold on. Let me get him. Turn so your she back. turned around, yeah. probably not lock the door back, and he would just come in. Yeah. Ugh. Ready to home invade the shit out of something. Yeah, or like, sure, I'll mm. give you a little cash. Stay right here. Mm-mm. Gross. Anyway, thought that was cool. Go yeah. dogs. I love dogs. Everyone get one. Um, so thanks, Natalia, for letting me tell that story because I just love it so much. Yeah. Oof, that is scary as shit. She did know that the cops got there way too late. Like, it, it would have been way too late. She's like, they took a minute. Okay. I'm telling Rebecca and all of y'all about Yara Gambarisio. Now, this is an, this case takes place in Italy. Sorry in advance for the mispronunciations. I'm, I tried. I spelled out, I think, everything in here phonetically, but I'm going to get some wrong. I'm sorry. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Sources. The Guardian has a very great detailed article on it. Newsweek, New York Times, Supremo Amicus, which is a law, law school publications just a, from a bunch of different places, just saved into one website. Now, all right, this investigation is crazy. Talk about a roller coaster. Okay. Yara Gambarisio was born on May 21st, 1997. Hi, our 10th birthday. She was the second oldest of four kids. She had one older sister, two little brothers. Her dad, Fulvio, was an architect, and her mom, Mara, was a teacher. The Gambarisio family was very well respected in their small Italian town of Brimbate de Sopra. Oh, wow. Do you see how I said it? Yeah. I, I practice. I, 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 I said it without pausing until uh -huh. this very moment. And it's probably still wrong. <laughs> uh, that's in the Lo Lombardy region of Italy. It's about an hour north of Milan and an hour from Switzerland. <laughs> Picturesque. I mean, yeah. gorgeous. Mm -hmm. The population at the time was about 8,000 people. So very small, very safe. Everyone knows everyone. Y'all get it. Mm-hmm. On November 26, 2010, around 5.15 p.m., 13-year-old Yara left home to walk to a local sports center less than half a mile away. She took rhythmic gymnastics here, but on this day, she didn't have practice. She was just dropping off a stereo for her instructor. They had like a meet coming up, so she was letting them borrow it. So it was just going to be a quick trip. Okay. When she still hadn't come home by 7 p.m., her parents started getting worried. 
Her mom called her cell phone and it kept going straight to voicemail. So around 7.30 p.m., her dad called police. Magistrate Leticia Ruggieri answered the phone. Leticia was a badass former policewoman who had fought the Sicilian Mafia. <gasps> Shut up. The Costa Nostra. Don't fuck with her. Badass. Yeah. And she wasted no time on Yara's case. Forget the whole, she's a teenager. She just ran away. She'll be back in a few days. Or uh -huh. Yeah. Nope. Within minutes, she dispatched both state and, and military police to their small town. Mm. They spoke to Yara's gymnastics instructor who told them that Yara had been there, dropped off the stereo. While she was there, she did a little gymnastics, um, but then left. And she texted her friend at 6.44 p.m. arranging to meet up like later that weekend. Okay. They got the canine unit and the dog led them toward the neighboring town of Mapello before he lost her scent. They really got all hands on deck here. They K9, really, military, mm. let's get it, let's go. Immediate, yeah. When they analyzed her cell phone, they found that it last pinged him in Mapello at 6.49 p.m. So the canine was dead on, mm -hmm. good boy. Good boy. And remember, she texted her friend at 6.44 p.m. and that mm -hmm. picked up in her small town, like right after she left the sports center. So that they determined that if she was in Mapello just a few minutes later, she was in a car. Oh, wait, if the dog tracked her to that town, then she was not in a car. The yeah. way I understand it is that they, he tracked her scent towards Mapello, uh, which was the opposite direction of her house. Mm. So she had been walking and I don't know if, I don't know what the situation ends up being, but he lost her scent when they got into Mapello. Okay. So, so that's when know. she was picked up or yeah. taken or whatever. Yeah, that's exactly. when she got in the car. Right. Like yeah. maybe a car pulled up next to her and she was just start walking in the wrong direction trying to i don't know yeah yeah throw them off but it is it's the opposite direction of her house they did note that so they're like well we thought you'd be tracking her the the other way mm -hmm. the investigation always starts at home so they dig into family life and see to see if especially for parents obviously had anything to do with it they tap their phones oh. and ultimately determined that they were not involved they end up tapping hundreds of phones <sighs> of people who lived in this area, which would not be able to happen here. I'm no. just saying. They are no nonsense. Wow. I know. They got, they also got cell phone data from anyone who passed through Mapello the day of Yara's disappearance and they got 15,000 hits. So about 15,000 pings of that same tower. Mm -hmm. One of the 15,000 pings was Mohammed Fikri. Mohammed worked in Mapello and during a phone call, which was being recorded because Again, they, they can just do that there. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> phones were tapped. An Arabic translator heard him say, forgive me, God, I didn't kill her. I didn't kill her or I didn't mean to kill her. Oh, God. He spoke Arabic, so they had to get a translator. That conversation was in late November. And by the time they had it translated, Mohammed was on a boat en route to Morocco. So on December 4th, Italian authorities intercepted the boat and arrested him. Whoa. They searched his van and found a bloodstained mattress. So they're thinking, open and shut, we got him. Oh shit, it wasn't even her, was it? No, it turns out it was not Yara's blood. I don't know if it was animal blood or what, it just said it was unrelated. Oh, Seems sketchy. Yeah, I thought it was gonna animal. be a double, a double murder case. Like, no, I wasn't talking about Yara, I killed someone else. No, and with that, they also realized that the translator misinterpreted. Oh what he said he didn't say that so oh he was God. he was cleared really quickly and they were like sorry about that have fun in morocco <laughs> what kind of amateurs doing this translation 
Oh my God. Weeks go by with not a lot of progress and other residents are absolutely freaking out. This small town, it's safe. Stuff like this does not happen and no one's been arrested. Mm -hmm. The national press is also flooding this town um, and Yara's family hates the attention. Their first televised appearance was right after Christmas in 2010, and they're visibly uncomfortable. They share pictures of Yara and plead for help to return to normalcy. Then they say, like, Wait, they're not. They plead for help to return to normalcy? Yeah. They just want, I mean, I think her coming home and everything to just go uh, back. Okay. They, they said they will not be giving interviews. They hate it. Then oh, wow. the nuns from Yara's school come over to pray with the family. But when they're offered a candlelight vigil to raise awareness, they say no. Mm, they just don't like the attention this. they weren't expecting news outlets from all over to literally post up in front of their house they like shut the curtains they don't they want none of it oh god i'm not know. sure how i feel about that but okay it's noted a lot when you research this case how reserved these little italian towns are these villages when we go into more of them you'll see okay people do not like this attention they want to keep to themselves but, you know, I mean, a child's missing. So. No, I okay. know. No. On February 26, 2011, exactly three months after she went missing, a man in the nearby town of Kignolo, is, which is about six miles from Brimbate, where Yara lived, mm -hmm. was he was flying his remote control plane in a big field, and it landed in some tall weeds. So he went to get it and saw what he thought were rags, and then he saw shoes, and then he saw what was a body. Oof. The magistrate and lead investigator, Leticia, got a call that a body was found and she rushed to the scene. It was very decomposed, but among what the man originally thought were rags was the black bomber jacket and Hello Kitty sweatshirt that Yara was wearing. Oh, no. They also Rachel, found her I'm not going to do kid murders, Cassander. <laughs> I know, but it's, the investigation. No, know. it's the investigation. Y'all, we have gotten so many recommendations for cases that are like, really dark kid stuff <laughs> really i'm like we will i will never cover that <laughs> oh just a quick google of i was like nope yeah but here you are here i am i was telling someone this weekend too while we were there i don't know what the line is but the stuff we're getting suggested is it i'm like absolutely not we can't cover it and i don't this is all equally sad but i just i don't know what the line is it's really dark anyway <laughs> okay they found her iPod, her house keys, the SIM card and battery for her cell phone, but no cell phone. The autopsy revealed that she had suffered multiple injuries with a sharp object, but not enough to, to kill her. That's not what killed her. And even though her bra was unhooked, oh God, she, she was not raped. Okay. She was attacked, fought like hell, and then left for dead where she died of hypothermia. Oh God, that is so I sad. I know, it's horrible. They also found traces of lime in her respiratory passage and jute was found on her clothing, like jute, the stuff you use to make rope, like a jute rug picture. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that has lime in it, as does a lot of building materials. So because of this, Leticia was confident that the murderer was in the building industry. Mm. They were able to collect DNA samples that didn't belong to Yara. Touch DNA was found on her phone battery and one of the gloves she was wearing and blood was found on her underwear. Ooh. So it was definitely sexually motivated crime, but she, he did not. She, she had no sexual assault, signs of sexual assault. Wow. They think he must have gotten hurt in the struggle, and that's how her, his blood got on her underwear. Luckily, despite being exposed to the elements for three months, the samples were in excellent condition. Oh, wow. Good. 
based on the DNA, they knew that the murderer was male and they start referring to him as Ignoto one, which translates to unknown one. Mm -hmm. Leticia's determined to find unknown asshole one. I have no doubt she will. There's one issue though. Italy at this time didn't have a DNA database like CODIS. I think they do mm. now. I think as a, a quick Google search told me, I think it, in 2016, they finally got one. But at this time, it was considered a violation of civil liberty. What? But tapping everyone's phone isn't? <laughs> That's so, yeah. This is, very, this is a very controversial investigation. Uh -huh. So Leticia and her team had to essentially make their own exclusive database from scratch. Wow. Ooh. So get ready for some DNA testing and the start of one of the most expensive and controversial investigations in Italy's history. Damn, okay. They get DNA samples from all friends, family members, people to gym, anyone in Yara's life. Mm -hmm. No matches to unknown one though. Then they track down everyone who traveled from Bimbate de Sopra, that's her town, into Cignolo, where her body was found, through cell phone records, again, through the towers, and they asked all of them for DNA samples, wow. which as you can imagine was a ton of people. Yeah. To process just a couple of DNA samples took geneticists from three different cities, about six hours each, and they were doing thousands. Oh my God. It was very labor intensive. So not only was it gonna take forever, but with the cost of the machinery and equipment along with the manpower, this is why it became the one of the most expensive investigations in Italian history. By May 2011, after taking thousands of DNA samples and getting no matches to unknown one, Leticia had an idea. Yara's body was found pretty close to a nightclub called Sabi Mobili, which translates to quicksand. Mm, okay. Quicksand had a seedy reputation. A tourist had been murdered right outside of it a few months earlier. And since statistically murderers tend to dump bodies in areas they're familiar with, she thought maybe it's someone who goes to this nightclub. Yeah. So she and investigators start standing outside the nightclub every Friday and Saturday night, taking DNA samples from people going in and out. This was also a members only uh, nightclub. So they had records of everyone who went there. So if someone, if they did somehow get a hit, they could easily find out who it was mm -hmm. or track them down. She knew this was a long shot, but it was at a standstill. They had nothing. So she was mm -hmm. like, let's go God, for it. These people are like, I just want a beer. Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, shockingly, this works. It leads to the first big break in the case. One of the samples from the club was very similar to unknown one. His name was Damiano Garinoni, and it was a 50% match on his dad's side. So he wasn't, a, he wasn't the murderer, but he was a, definitely a close relative. Oh, wow. Okay. After speaking to Damiano, they were shocked to learn that his mom was actually the housekeeper for Yara's family for 10 years. Oh, holy shit. She had gone over there twice a week throughout Yara's childhood. They look into the connection and find out that she ended her stint with their family on great terms. She loved Yara. That's just an insane coincidence. Oh my God. It's like shocking. Yeah. Leticia wow. builds out their family tree going back to 1815. And by now it's been about a year after the murder and she is getting so much flack for not solving it. People are calling her incompetent, saying that she needs to be replaced by someone with more experience, just dragging through the dragging her through the mud. And she's like, chill. Holy I got this. I, I took down the Italian mob. The Sicilian mob. Yeah. So chill. They start going down Damiano's family tree and learn that his dad was one of 11 kids. 
born in Gorno, an even smaller village about 45 minutes from where Yara lived. Mm -hmm. A lot of the families there have been there for centuries. Again, very reserved, very traditional. So they're like, all right, let's go there and explore some of these 11 kids. Mm -hmm. Among them was Damiano's uncle, his dad's brother, yeah. Giuseppe. Giuseppe was born in Gorno, but in the 1960s, he and his family, his wife and kids, moved to another nearby village called Ponte Selva, where he drove a public bus throughout the 60s and 70s. Mm -hmm. He died in 1999, so they went to his widow to see if she could provide anything that they could get a sample from. And she said, sure, here's a postcard he, he had written. Mm -hmm. They gathered DNA from the stamp on the postcard that he had licked. Mm -hmm. And it came back that he was likely the biological father of the murder. Okay. The stamp provided a small sample. Obviously, it was old. So they end up exhuming Giuseppe's body oh just God. to make sure. And he is absolutely 100% the father of the murder. Oh, my God. So now we're making progress. Yeah. They have the biological father. Giuseppe and his wife, Laura, had three kids, a, a girl and two boys. Since unknown one is definitely a male, they focus on the two sons named Pierpaolo and Diego. Mm -hmm. Pierpaolo was a Jehovah's Witness, and Diego was a drug addict who I think had run-ins with the law before. So they're like, oh, I wonder I mean, who we'll, they we'll get both DNAs, but we're just going to go ahead and lean towards Diego. We're leaning towards Diego. They get their DNAs, tested against unknown one. Neither of them are a match. Uh-oh, Giuseppe had an affair. That's right. Uh, Giuseppe, you rascal, you scoundrel. Scoundrel Giuseppe had a secret son out there. Uh-huh. So now they're trying to hunt down his former mistress. God. Right? That's probably going to be easier. A woman who is likely of old age at this point and had an affair with a married man 30 to 40 years ago and got pregnant with a baby boy. The baby boy went on to murder Yara. Oh, my God. This was actually daunting because... Now their search area got much larger. They started looking for clues in more of these tiny old school Italian villages. Where no one talks. Even if your child's missing, they don't want to talk. So they certainly aren't going to come forward and say, that was me who had sex with that guy 30, 40 years ago. Exactly. They did. That was actually the next sentence. Was people there did not take too kindly to the investigators. They felt like their approach with demanding DNA samples from people was invasive, even though Leticia later is like, it's all voluntary. We got oh, all these samples okay. voluntarily. It's not demanding. I think their approach to it was probably a little, made it seem like they had to. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. And when it gets out that they're not just getting DNA from the men in town, but now old women, they're confused and they're like, even more so, we don't like this. Leave us all alone. With or without the resistance from locals, finding Unknown One's mother and Giuseppe's former lover proves to be, again, very difficult. As a bus driver for so many years, he had a pretty big route, and he would have driven many young women to and from various textile factories in the area. So there were hundreds of women that he could have started a relationship with. Yeah. I think they, like, ultimately connected the possibilities to over 500 women. God. <laughs> we, thought this part, we thought this route would have been the easier one. Yeah. They're looking at records of orphanages and homes for, quote, fallen mothers. Oh, my God. Then in spring 2012, Leticia and her, and her team found out that back in the 60s, Giuseppe would go to a spa resort just south of Milan every May for two weeks by himself without wife and kids. Oh, there's the affair. So they start going through historic records from the spa and contacting women who were staying there around the same time. God. 
yeah. to no avail, no hits. Right. Then yet again, Leticia had a realization. This entire time they're searching for Giuseppe's mistress. They're narrowing down to single mothers and homes for fallen women, you know? Yeah. But perhaps the woman they're looking for was married when she yeah. got pregnant. Yeah. Maybe she's still married. Mm -hmm. Divorce wasn't legal in Italy until 1970, Damn. which is shocking. So God. a lot of people back then just stayed married, even if they were having affairs. Yeah. In 2013, the public started finding out why they were looking for an older woman. They were kind of keeping it close to the chest or vest, whichever mm -hmm. the hell phrase it is. And these small villages became a buzz with who's Giuseppe's former lover? Like, who's the son? Yeah. The locals pride themselves in loyalty and traditional values. So something so salacious as an affair and a love child was not something they could comprehend until some local journalists got involved and started investigating. And then the gossip flooded. I was about to say, everyone loves gossip. Flooded the region. <laughs> they hit all right. Yeah, there's a rat in there somewhere. Just come on. Yeah. So when Flap they did gums, when when these gums started flapping, several other unrelated, long forgotten affairs came to light and they found five illegitimate children between two of these towns. Oh, my God. None of which had anything to do with the case or Giuseppe, but just a funny thing. To, not a funny thing. No, people are pissed now. And I don't think illegitimate children is a phrase I'm supposed to say anymore. I, could, I don't know. What else. Oh, really? I'm unmarital unmarried y'all get you, it you tell us y'all tell us five were found damn one of the journalists said we could have started a gossip magazine it was like an open sewer we were receiving anonymous letters stories people telling us about their backgrounds and cuckolds they spoke to giuseppe's former co-workers and one of them said that way back in the day in the 70s giuseppe had confessed to him that he had gotten a woman quote in trouble and another butt fellow bus driver implied that Giuseppe was a womanizer and was, she said, a man with a capital M. Ooh. A man with a capital M? Yeah. Mm. It's kind of surprised how surprised everyone, I'm surprised by how surprised everyone is. <laughs> of course, uh, there are tons of affairs. Divorce wasn't legal. Come on. Yeah, you, could, you weren't allowed to get divorced until right. 1970. It's crazy. Finally, in 2014, a secret source told Leticia's team the name of the woman they need to be speaking to. Her name was Esther Arzufi. Esther, you hoe. Esther was a neighbor of Giuseppe and his family in Ponticella in the late 60s. In 1966, mm. when she was 19 years old, she married a man named Giovanni Bassetti. Giovanni was very introverted. He had a very bad childhood. He suffered from depression. On the contrary, Esther was very outgoing. She wore short skirts. <gasps> oh, what Ooh, a whore. Very atypical for the era and the place. Oh my God. She ended up getting a job at a textile factory. And to get mm. there, she took the bus every single day. And that's how she met and sparked up a relationship with Giuseppe. Mm. All this, by the way, Esther denies. She never cheated on her husband. She, this never happened. Mm, Esther. Leticia and her team had looked back at their records and, and saw that they'd actually taken a DNA sample from Esther two years before this in July 2012, and it was no match. They're like, sure, oh we have God. a DNA. We have everyone's DNA. No match. But after double checking, they realized that the geneticist made a mistake and compared hers to Yara's, not unknown one. Oh, so they very quickly compared it to unknown one and confirmed she is the biological mother of unknown one. Right. Again, she says, no way. This is false. All of my kids are with my husband, Giovanni. Giuseppe who? Look, Esther, 
this isn't the scandal part. It, wow. Like, you're, no one cares about your affair. Wow. A child was murdered. I we, know. We need to find your son. Yeah. Right? I know. Come on. Big yeah. perspective, people. Come on. Right? Mm. They learned that Esther and Giovanni had three kids. The first two were twins, a boy and a girl, and the third was a boy named Fabio. They looked into her sons and learned that the twin boy's name was Massimo Giuseppe Bassetti. <laughs> she Middle even named it after him. Yeah. Man. He was for a 42-year-old builder with a wife and three kids living in a pillow, which is where Yara's phone pinged and where the canine unit kind of went. Mm -hmm. He had a reputation for partying. His friends even called him the animal for Ooh. partying. Ooh. On June 15, 2014, Leticia set up a fake roadblock to get Massimo's DNA. When police stopped Massimo to give him a breathalyzer, they pretended it malfunctioned the first time. So they had him do it again so they could get two really good samples. Oh, my God. And they did. They immediately had it tested, and he was an exact match for unknown one. Did he the breathalyzer? Yeah. Mm, I actually wondered that. And I, I confirmed, yes, he was <laughs> what sober. Like, okay, well, you actually did blow over the legal limit. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now so we have to at least holding you for a DUI. Oh, my God. On June 16, 2014, he was arrested and charged with Yara's murder. This guy was not on their radar whatsoever. He had no criminal record. But oh once they God. started preparing for trial, there was a ton of circumstantial evidence against him, not to mention, obviously, DNA. He often ate at a pizza place that was down the street from Yara's house and would park his car right behind her gym. I don't know what business was back there. It might have been a tanning bed, unfortunately. Yeah. But the point is, he, he would have definitely seen her walking around. He was in that small town a lot. Yeah. His internet searches were also sketchy AF. It didn't say exactly what some of the examples were. It just said it implied a compulsion for pubescent young girls. Ew. Gross. Gross. Phone records showed that he was in Brimbate de Sopra in the late afternoon of November 26, 2010, which is when Yara disappeared. And at 5.45 p.m. that day, his phone was turned off and didn't turn back on until 7.30 a.m. the next morning. Holy shit. Yeah. He had no criminal record. So his first offense that he was caught for, I guess. Yeah. Was against a child. Yeah. Ew. Massimo maintained his innocence, saying he has no idea how DNA got on her. Sure, sure. Sure, sure. Um, and he pleaded not guilty. His trial started in April 2015, and he was found guilty of murder with, with the aggravating circumstance of cruelty, and he was sentenced to life in prison. This investigation was one of the most intense and controversial, again, in Italian history. People thought it was a huge invasion of privacy, even though, again, Leticia was like, all this was voluntary. We didn't force anyone to give DNA. By the end of it, they had collected 22,000 DNA samples. Also, again, Damn. very expensive. It was reportedly it reportedly cost three to eight million euros. Oh my God. They won't give an exact number. Someone else said five million, but it's in that range. Three to eight yeah. million euros. Today, that'd be 3.2 million to eight and a half million dollars. Wow. As a result, several people and families were forever changed. Again, several unrelated affairs were uncovered. People were really pissed about that. Oh my God. It's like <laughs> leaking Ashley Madison all over again. Yeah. They're like, solve this crime without narking us out yeah wow obviously yara's family suffered the tragic loss of their Aww. baby yeah giuseppe's widow laura had no idea about the affair much less that he had a son with their former neighbor so mm -hmm. she's heartbroken i'm sure right as was esther's husband giovanni 
who, because of all the DNA testing, found out that none of the three kids <gasps> were his. <laughs> oh, Esther! No, I mean, obviously you done the twins. fucked up. You done fucked up. Obviously, the twins were both Giuseppe's, but Fabio, not his either. Oh my God, Esther! Yeah. <laughs> Asimo's family was torn apart. Remember, he had a wife and three kids, and now he's serving life. As his defense started painting a picture of him as this family man who would never do this, two guys came forward saying, I'm having an affair with your wife. I don't know why this would discount him as a family man, but just another, like, salacious thing. Yeah, wait, they were, the murderer's wife was having an affair with these two men? Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. So, <laughs> so that family was really just on so many levels shocked. I'm everybody sure. be sleeping with everybody. Yeah. Here in these I small just want towns. to tell you all about that one. That's insane. Esther still, oh, still Esther. denies being unfaithful to her husband. She says, unless her mind's playing tricks on her, she has no idea what they're talking about. Your, like, then your it's mind's DNA. Playing tricks. It's science. Sorry. Oh my God. So that is the very sad story of Yara Gambaricio and the insane investigation and the persistence of Leticia. My God. She's like, I'll handle this. She's like, back off. I don't have a CODIS to work off of, which it wouldn't have mattered because he didn't have a criminal record anyway. Wow. My God. All right. So now Patreon shout outs. Thanks for joining Whitney, Robin, Ingadora. I hope I said that right. It's very pretty. Courtney, Emily, Lauren, Jessica. Colleen, Jamie, Lisa, Amber, Susie, and Michelle. Hey. Michelle's like, we've known her since we were little baby yeah. fourth graders or whatever. Thanks for joining, everyone. Thank y'all for Appreciate joining. Appreciate it. You're the shit. And then I have two custom shout outs. Okay, the first one is from Janace. I want to shout out my emotional support person and partner in, in crime solving, Nikki. What up, Nikki? Hi, Nikki. Every now and then you'll find you find a soulmate and a best friend. And for for me, you have been that oh. I swear we are. That is so nice. I swear we share a brain and I love that we can look at each other and know what the other is thinking. Thank you for always being there for me and the kids at the drop of a hat and for always believing in me most of the time more than I believe in myself oh. and for introducing me to people are the worst. Oh, Nikki, thank Nikki. you. Double thanks. Double thanks from us, too. I love you so much and I'm so grateful to have met such a badass at work. Oh, work, Buffy. Hey, girl. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks for introducing us to Janice, Nikki. Yeah, thanks. This one's from Lisa. I would like to shout out my new small business, LIT Gems Co. It's all, LIT is all capital, so I'm guessing it's LIT and not lit. Either way. Mm -hmm. I bet it is lit. <laughs> A fresh venture founded by three best friends, passionate about minerals and crystals. Our aim is simple, to offer affordable, one-of-a-kind mineral specimens that inspire collection-building journeys. New, unique pieces are added regularly, and there's always something new to fall in love with. To introduce ourselves, we're Lisa, Evita, and Tina, friends and fellow mineral fanatics from the gorgeous mountains of Asheville, North Carolina. Hey, homies. Hey, uh... Together, we've spent years exploring the beauty and wonder of minerals, and it was our shared excitement and friendship that inspired us to begin this adventure. As advocate avid collectors we're on a mission to not only share our treasures but also build a community to take part in the joy that minerals can create we believe in fostering connections through shared interests and because of that we would love to offer anyone who's heard of us from patw a 10 percent discount to shop that rocks i love it just send them a private message letting letting them know that we sent you um the instagram is 
underscore l-i-t-g-e-m-s underscore so bookended underscores lit gems yeah and on etsy by searching lit gems co l-i-t-g-e-m-s-c-o awesome just a disclaimer they only ship domestically right now just in north america but they're expanding internationally very soon awesome good job congrats on the small biz love we know it's hard we love it love it and Asheville's a great place for that one yeah for sure love that that does it that'll do it for us thank y'all so much you are the best people are the worst bye